and welcome to Crafting a Revolution, the podcast. My name is Katie Freeman, and I'm one of your hosts. Every week, we bring you interviews with female and non-binary makers of all kinds from all over the world. Today's guest, or kind of guests, uh, is Craft Equity, which is an Instagram account dedicated to sharing the voices of the marginalized within the craft community. And um, that is a very broad spectrum of people who happen to be marginalized. So uh, basically the kind of the gist, just to give you a rundown is somebody can share a story about um, an institution, about a place of work, about um, just something that they um, had happened uh, within their time within craft. It could be in the past, current, um, and they just share their story. And that story is then shared on the Craft Equity Instagram account anonymously. So the, the people who submit the stories remain anonymous as well as the people who make up Craft Equity. And that is so that the focus stays on the story uh, and, and growing what the experience is uh, within the field of craft across all fields of craft. So um, I've been following that account for a little while now, and I've also shared some of those stories from their account, um, both on Crafting a Revolution and my Freeman Furnishings Instagram stories to help spread the word. Um, very powerful stuff that gets shared. So I was excited to get to kind of chat with them. And so in keeping with their mission of staying anonymous, uh, their voice is disguised and their, and this will not be posted at all on uh, YouTube for this episode. You can only find it, the audio of it. So just so you're aware of that. Before we hop into the interview with Craft Equity, though, I want to give a big shout out and thanks to the patrons over on Patreon. So thank you so much, Lee at Lee Runyon, Annette 513 Woodworks, Katie Thompson, Women of Woodworking, Kevin Lefty's Workshop, Woodshop, Lefty's Woodshop, sorry, Kevin, mess it up every time, Christy Twisted Twine, Jeremy, Jeremy Spies, Sammy Go Sammy Lee, Rachel Moody Makes, Bonnie Toolmom Bonnie, toolmomstore.com. Laura Oakley Soap Company, Brandy Studio Obey, Lee the Rainbow Carver, Ellen Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you all so very much for your continued ongoing support, helping the podcast to produce episodes every week. And I do want to add in uh, that Annette 513 Woodworks just had a birthday this week. So happy birthday, uh, Annette. Truly, uh, thank you for all of your support always. All right, let's head on into the interview with Craft Equity. So this is a little bit of a unique one for me because usually, you know, it's a individual um, maker that I'm talking with, but I wanna maybe start with having you give a little bit of a background on just like, you know, how craft equity came about. Um, so thanks so much for having us on the podcast. Um, <laughs> we started craft equity because we've seen craft institutions address equity in recent years, and we don't think that work is going far enough. So <laughs> we were really inspired by accounts like Change the Museum, and we thought this was a real opportunity to use Instagram as a platform um, to push the craft field into exposing equities in the field. Mm -hmm. um, I think I recently just found the Change the Museum account. Um, so um, did this, what, how, I guess, how recent is craft equity? Because I've only been following you for, a, you know, a short while. About a, about a year and a half. Okay. So kind of COVID time, really, getting started. Yeah. 
that's true. Yeah. Um, when you said kind of in your intro, the feeling like, you know, equity has been being addressed or trying to be addressed in the craft field and not feeling like it's going far enough. Can you say more on that? Yes. Um, when you look at the, a lot of the craft institutions that we're all familiar with are doing a lot of equity work that is important, but there's still a lot of issues and people falling through the cracks. And especially because the craft community is so small, it's often hard for people to be able to tell and share their stories without retaliation or without fear of losing future opportunities. And so we wanted to use this account as a, as a safe and anonymous space for people to be able to expose their experiences in in the field um you know in, in craft institutions there is sort of this uh, uh, illusion of of progress sometimes like you think that it's going to be a space of all progressive people and like-minded people but there's clearly a lot of sexism and racism and homophobia that still exists in these spaces mm -hmm. um and so the craft equity account is sort of a, a good place to put a name to those things and, and expose that they're still happening yeah i think maybe what's come across to me and this is just my personal you know feeling on it as I followed your account and and read the um, stories that are being shared. And I want to say I've followed you for a very little amount of time. However, I've like gone all the way back <laughs> to like the first post and read all the way through. Um, but what's come across to me and is also this like still this feeling of like elitism to be part of the craft community and like very much like there's still like this gatekeeping that's happening mm -hmm. does that feel true Definitely. to you yeah I do see a lot of gatekeeping and I think people are pressured to when things happen to them um, in, in instances of inequity, people are afraid to 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 say it um, mm -hmm. they they fear retaliation and and because of all the barriers to entry that do exist, um, often speaking out is can can create more barriers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I'm, I'm very unfortunate, but I think really what you're seeing is also just a reflection of um, all of the other systems that are at play, especially um, in the U.S. I mean, that's the only place I can really speak to um, being from the U.S., but I would say like even my time spent in um, industry, you know, it's very much like that's what resonates so much with me is just my work experience outside of the craft field of like, okay, so it's still it basically maybe I'm less fearful to go into that field because it's like, well, it's the same shit, just different space um, as far as like the, you know, sexism, homo, homophobia, racism, all of it. Um, that that power of uh, cishet white male is still very much in place. It is very much so. Yeah. Um, I've also appreciated though the light being shown on, I think as so many of us start to like, um, reteach ourselves or learn truths about uh, historical past and, you know, the effects it's had on our current situations um, as far as the systems of 
like white supremacy, misogyny, patriarchy, all of it. Um, I think what's been like something that I have felt very powerful from the stories that you share is also recognizing that just because somebody calls themselves like a feminist doesn't mean that they are fighting for quote unquote the underdog um, or those who are given less power in those spaces. Um, and so I appreciate those stories um, being shared as well because I feel like a lot especially when it's like fields that are like oh we're we have women in them it still tends to be like white women white cishet women and that continues to like whitewash the spaces yes yes totally one pattern uh we noticed recently is we did all these well we're still in the middle of doing all of these medium specific Mm -hmm. um, weeks. And so, you know, we have a wood week and most of the stories that come through there are repeated stories of misogyny and sexism and things that are very, very true. And then, you know, we get to the, the next week following that was a uh, textiles week. Mm -hmm. And of course there's sort of inherently less sexism in the textiles world. And almost asking like what barriers to entry do you experience in in textiles like the the um types of stories we were getting immediately shifted to more race-based stories mm -hmm. and it almost was like because we removed the well we didn't remove but right. because there's <laughs> less uh there's less sexism happening in there it 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 shifted the focus and all of these amazing stories came through that were really important to get to. And of course those stories also exist in, in the wood world, but mm -hmm. we have so much language and space to talk about sexism in a way that many of these craft spaces are still learning how to talk about race. Mm -hmm. um, and they're, they're fumbling through it and, and like trying to create spaces and sometimes in the process creating harm. And so, yeah. With craft equity, a lot of these institutions are doing work that we believe in and we want to support them in, in moving the needle forward. And this is often feed, the feedback that comes through on our, our feed is feedback that they need to see. Mm -hmm. And often, like I mentioned earlier, um, people are afraid to directly give that feedback, but having this sort of archive of, of testimony that institutions can refer to and sometimes even see themselves named um, it's important for them to to be able to see this and and we know we know they're watching and we know they see what's happening um on our account and that is a, a really powerful thing do you get any direct feedback from them like do they send you messages ever from institutions yeah uh they do engage sometimes yeah there have been occasionally you know people can choose whether they're naming the institution mm -hmm. or not like they can say i went to right a craft school or they can say like i went to at and name yeah. it and and there have been uh, people there have been institutions that have responded with statements and and followed up directly um within the comments mm -hmm. yeah i mean i you know especially with the wood week which i think turned into two weeks um for the wood stories, you know, I, I know I saw, I'm pretty sure that's when I saw a pretty prominent <laughs> craft school uh, called out. And uh, I mean, I, I've taken a different approach to looking at some of these uh, recently, um, as I recently shared in like my stories on Instagram and stuff that I'm in the process of uh, applying for grad school to get it, to get my uh, an MFA for um, 3D design. And in conjunction with reading through some of the stories that are shared specifically about like craft institutions or grad school specific, and then local people kind of sharing their um, experiences with me, it 
you know, it, it took a minute to step back and say, okay, am I ready to put myself into that environment? Um, and again, I feel, I wouldn't say confident and I would also would not say comfortable, but I would say, I feel like I can survive because I've been personally, I've spent a lot of time in all cis het male, uh, meeting rooms, you know, in manufacturing industry. And so I feel like, okay, if I can kind of survive that, um, then I can probably survive these spaces that more and more are getting described as toxic, um, which is interesting to me because again, you think, at least I always did, I thought of higher education as being a place that's more open-minded and cares more about the people about people and community less than ego um what's been some of the threads you you have seen at craft equity coming through you know around specifically experiences at institutions Well, there's there's a wide variety, um, and again, sometimes people name the institution, and sometimes they don't. Sometimes they heavily allude um, to the point where they're not naming it, but it, you can right you can adjust. Um, so, but we did there. There have been some instances of craft equity being able to to help make change at at certain institutions. Um, there was some students from Edinburgh reached out about exorbitant increase in studio fees. And after some posts that happened on, on craft equity, we were able to contribute towards um, those student efforts to get those fees mm -hmm. removed. Mm -hmm. um, and there was even in, in August, we had a submitter who shared a story about uh, the glass manager at Wheaton arts and, um, once that story came in, there was a ton more that started to come in about this same person. And we actually just got confirmation that they'll be leaving at the end of the year. And we'll mm. actually be updating about that on the account. And um, we're, we're proud to have played a part in being able to remove this person. Um, and so... I forget the the original question. <laughs> Just the the I guess trends. Yeah, trends that you've seen come out about just the I guess the overall in, environment of those places. Um, because beyond, right? I mean, beyond the barrier of just like cost, right? Like that creates its own level of barrier of going into these institutions. Beyond that. It feels like a lot of them maybe pride themselves <laughs> on making it a difficult space. Like, well, you're supposed to work really hard in this program, but not understanding that there's a difference between working hard on your craft and growing that way versus like dehumanizing people. Yes, totally. I mean, it is it is really interesting to see the patterns that emerge here because especially if say you're in an institution and something happens to you during crit and there's a sort of a culture that crit is supposed to be really hard and tear you down or mm -hmm. if you feel like something if you feel like you were wronged in that process, sometimes it can be hard to call that out or put a name to it even even for yourself to say mm -hmm. like, yes i was abused in this in this situation this was abusive behavior and it's it's easy for institutions to to sometimes sort of gaslight you into thinking that what happened was okay but then when right. you start to see other people's experiences and them calling it for what it is and then people in the comments backing up you can say like no this is a this is a pattern and a problem and it is damaging and continues to be damaging and and being able to connect those threads across posts and across commenters that is what gives substance to being able to say like 
no, this is this is a, a thing that is happening and it's real and it's not just my experience, it's the experience of many people. Right. And and there's no way to to make it end until like the first step is just naming the problem. And sometimes mm -hmm. that's really hard when you feel alone and you start to even question if if what's happened to you is right or wrong, even if yeah. it is totally wrong. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that's just, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, I, I wanted to have craft equity on here to, because I believe so much in, in what you are doing and the change that you're already, like you just mentioned, you're already seeing, and I have no doubt will continue to affect change. Um, I just hope that it doesn't necessarily come down to institutions starting to to always say in some instances it is an individual but also like there's systems at play that those individuals learn that that's what they're supposed to do during crit right like they probably went through it themselves and so like how do you change the whole system of redefining what that process should look like and this is obviously it's not a <laughs> it's not something you can answer here on the spot but maybe just some of your thoughts on like being able to change the overall systems that are happening right yeah we do believe it's important to you know, address ind harmful individuals. But beyond that, you're right, it is a system like when we see these patterns emerging, like people will, will say they had an experience on, on the East Coast and the West Coast and in the middle and like these same things are popping up across all of these institutions. And it's not just one harmful institution or one harmful person. It's a whole system that um, allows allows these behaviors to continue and it's it's normalized broadly um, and it's there there are issues within our society that that eat into our craft world um, yeah <laughs> you know it's not it's not like these things are unique to the craft community but there mm -hmm. are parts of the craft community that sometimes like to feel like they're immune to these societal issues like they're these liberal oasises and um, to, to be able to, to see these patterns and identify them across institutions um, is, is important because there's a huge cultural shift that needs to happen, a lot more awareness and education and, um, and breaking down these barriers to entry. A lot of the, you know, the number one question we've been asking um, in our, our themed like wood and textile weeks is what are the barriers to entry um, because there are there are so many and it is not because of one person or one school it's right it's as a whole and so um yeah identi identifying these patterns is is sort of step one and and then it, it sort of helps with the the goal setting almost like there's mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of institutions in the last couple of years have have rushed to to enhance their DEI efforts, but they are sort of missing the mark sometimes in, in what the goal actually is, like how people, what the needs are. Um, and so yeah. this is sort of uh, an important an important step is really very clearly starting to, to recognize what, what the needs within the craft world are. Yeah, I mean, I think essentially what you are doing is coming from my my industry background is is basically you're gathering the the voice of the customer and, and the craft institution should look at all of these students as their customers um and so what do they actually need in those spaces what would they value in those spaces instead of doing what so <laughs> has been done historically forever through so many things of like, we're going to define what you need and then we're going to give that to you. And why are you so unhappy that we met this predefined need of yours? Right, right, totally. We have a lot of stories of people saying that they, are, they feel often tokenized by institutions that are, are 
you know, not being thoughtful in after after offering someone a scholarship and and then sort of taking a million photos or parading them around and making people feel really uncomfortable. So a lot of the times when when institutions are working working on on their DEI efforts, they're also working like equally as hard as publicly like patting themselves yep. on the back before yep. it's really time to do that. Yeah, I mean it's it's more it's because it's about optics. For them like we want to look like we're doing it um and getting that you know one like that one black student well then we're we're good we we have our diversity in place so um time to share that around i've had conversations with others on the podcast and suggested that again my opinion only but i suggested that perhaps some of the ways that institutions could signal that they are a safe space for people to even apply to is by putting people of marginalized communities in as instructors in their spaces like changing it all and not just automatically giving it you know to somebody who's white or male or you know cisgendered or heterosexual all the things that all the identities that still have a great amount of power in those spaces like at this point and and you guys have the same kind of uh privilege at this point i've had you know hundreds of interviews and it's like i can i can show you all of these individuals who exist out there who are amazing craftspeople um who could bring so much to your institutions if you just looked it doesn't take much looking to find them what are your thoughts about that i'm just curious <laughs> yeah yeah i i um i agree these barrier the barriers to entry happen at, at every level it's not just getting the first foot in the door and learning your first skills it's also the continued uh growth you know you see such a difference in in who's in a beginner class and an advanced class and then who's in the teacher role and who's in the admin role and who's in the director role like mm -hmm. there's a, a the diversity of those groups changes it, it skews more white male straight as you move up um, yep. the, that sort of well you know not to um it's not not to like put it in sort of a linear path like that mm -hmm. but you know it does there there are steps along along the way when you're moving towards advanced classes and moving into teacher teaching or if mm -hmm. you're pursuing art admin roles there there are barriers at every single step there's there's favoritism and nepotism and yep. bias so much bias yeah hey makers today's episode is sponsored in part by toolmomstore.com. At toolmomstore.com, you can find any and all tool-based merchandise for all genders, all sizes. They've got mugs, they've got shirts, all kinds of cool stuff. I have uh, one of the shirts myself that has the uh, hashtag woodworker on it, and I also have a couple of the mugs that define what and who is a tool chick. So super excited with the merchandise that I have. I know that you will be satisfied as well. Um, and also great discount for those of you who listen to the podcast at checkout. If you enter the code MAKERMOM, you will get a 20% discount off any of the merchandise that you buy. So that's just toolmomstore.com. All right, let's head back into the action. And so I also maybe, and, and I know you, like craft equity is, is, I mean, you're focused on craft, so you're not necessarily focused on specifically like craft institutions, but that's something I've really seen too, just in, again, the last three years of doing interviews, I interview any, anybody who I, who's a maker to me, anybody who creates something where there was nothing before is a maker. Um, and so I range from people who are self-taught to people who, yes, um, you know, have uh, master's degrees um, and are teaching courses. So I've, I've seen the broad range. 
And I think there's also, that's where maybe I was kind of hitting on the elitism of the thought that somebody who's self-taught is less than somebody who's gone through art school or a master's program in their craft um, just because they didn't go through that additional educational program, uh, regardless of what their work is. Is that anything that's come through at, on craft equity at all? I'd have to go back and see, I'm sure, because there is so, so much. I mean, that relates back to, to nepotism. I mean, people that go to one institution are often given opportunities at, a, at another because they know someone there or something. But I'd uh, have to go look for specific stories that point to that, but they're definitely out there. And, you know, if you could submit one or anyone listening that has one or has something to, to add to what you're saying, I'm sure there's a lot of listeners that are, are like, yes, I feel that I've experienced that too. And mm -hmm. I would encourage those listeners to, to submit. We have a pretty easel, uh, pretty easy to, to complete form, just the link <laughs> in our Instagram bio. And, you know, you can write your story and decide if you want to tag the institution or not. And mm -hmm. um, yeah. You can, it's, yeah. it's a, a fairly simple process to just go through the quick link and, and, and contribute your own story because I know there are a lot out there like what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's partially why, like, personally, I'm looking to go get my master's degree in what I'm looking at because um, I've found it pretty much impossible <laughs> to get into the um, like furniture design industry without going and getting that degree and gaining connections that way. Um, because it is about the who you know, not necessarily like what your skill level is. Um, and those that have been able to make it outside of getting those degrees um, tend to be cishet white men. Um, who have been able to to breach that barrier? I want to. I do want to ask a little bit more about craft equity. So, you know, it's a group of you that came together, um, and decided. You know, this is what you wanted to do uh, to create this account. Um, how did that group? Like, how did the discussions even get started? Well, that's um, that's a great question. You know, we sort of rather than like focusing on on how we we sort of more focus on why. And there have been some changes in the group over over time. Um, we've had new people added and um you know people come in and out but um we really were were doing it because like like i mentioned before we felt like institutions weren't going fast or far enough on their equity work and um because of the long history of white supremacy and misogyny ableism class bias we really wanted to to push institutions to reckon with this and 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 also i mentioned the change the museum account before yeah. and that was a big inspiration for starting it and we pretty closely followed their model and um it seemed like a a, a good place to start because of how small a lot of the craft world is um some some forms of protests that work in the art world don't really work in in craft um mm -hmm. You know, if you look at if you look at uh, demonstrations that have happened and, and boycotts and protests outside MoMA and the Whitney, that's just not going to happen at like a remote craft school. The, <laughs> right. There needs to be another platform for <laughs> for uh, a craft specific initiative and and um, seeing the change the museum account really helped us uh, find a good place to to start um, with this work. Mm -hmm. And I mean, is the, do you intend for it to stay all on Instagram or do you see it growing past that at all? 
We haven't really talked about using other platforms, although it's um, not out of the, the realm of, of possibility. Um, you know, social media platforms that people use change over time. Um, for now, it's it's worked really well for us. Um, the, the comment feature is easier to follow than, say, on something like Twitter. And we also do have a website and we have like a list of resources there and um, people can can in our resources page link to a, a bunch of other websites that have helpful information and we even have information about how to get in touch with our, our lawyer who handles pro bono mm. cases of harassment and discrimination and abuse and so there are things that uh, happen through through our website but really right as of right now Instagram is is where where most of um, most of this is happening. Although I do then know that some work happens off Instagram with, with people taking the stories that they read and see and are participating in and, and using that information in, you know, the real, the real live world. Right. Instagram feed. Right. <laughs> so yeah. Current plans for other platforms. Okay. So, I mean, you, you mentioned uh, just now, like um, the lawyer and stuff. So just to go through the process, my understanding, because I went to your website and stuff, like, so when people submit stories, I mean, they're completely anonymous, correct? They are anonymous. Um, we provide an email address if they want to reach out directly. Um, there's a spot that, you know, people people can leave their name okay if um if they want us to like there's there's a question about like if if press reach out about your story do you want us to um contact you like are you willing to participate in that and we will and we also specified like if you share your contact information we're not going to um share it without your permission and, gotcha. and also sometimes a lot of conversations happen in our dms so we'll we'll dm with people we'll email with people if they do want to reach out directly and they can share people can share their identity with us in confidence and then we can connect them with a lawyer if that's something that they want to pursue um, but there is a way for people to interact with us and identify who they are and we'll we'll protect their identity Okay. But it's also people can totally even anonymous to us um, submit a story and we'll we'll never know who who sent right. it and that's and that's okay too. Yeah. Um, I'm just. I mean, I guess I asked that question and thinking like, are there times where somebody totally anonymously shared their story and you wished you knew who they were just so that you could help provide resource, like direct resources to them? You know, some, sometimes, and um, we often make that clear in the, in the comments and mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's in our materials, you know, it, like people yeah. see that it's on our website, it's on the entry form. And so it's there and it's offered. And sometimes there are people saying things that it's like, you know, I, I, I wish I could talk to them directly yeah. or, or something, but that's up to them. Um, right. It's totally up to them. We're not going to try and push someone into, uh, into something that they're not um, ready, ready to do. Right. And, and I do, <clears throat> I definitely do, um, I appreciate that uh, being that I've, you know, experienced trauma in my past and was pushed too far too soon. Um, I think there's something to be said for allowing a person to get there on their own um, and just knowing that you're a safe space that they can come back to um, when they're ready for that. Um, on the flip side now, sometimes though, when I read those stories, like I don't because I understand the premise of, of the account and the work that you're doing, but there are many times when I read a story where I just want to reach out and be like, can I please know who this person is? Um, just because I want to say, you know, I'm willing to walk with you um, through this or sit there with you. Um, Cause there's some pretty, horrendous stories. 
there there are and and you do see that solidarity in the comments and <laughs> i do often see people leaving comments like if if you if this person wants to talk dm me and then that's very possible that happens we have no yeah. way of knowing what happens right. then um you know someone could easily reach out i'm sure the people that submit stories often come back and see what's happening in the conversation and they see that solidarity and that is important and mm -hmm. sometimes it is like it is a good place to put out a story but telling your story can often be re-traumatizing and so then yeah the ability to just put it out there you know it's different than going through a whole process with hr where it's just like there's so many steps yeah. where you can say your, your piece over and over and over and it can be hugely traumatizing and and so again to bring it back to this example of the wheaton arts program there were people that were able to anonymously share their stories leave mm -hmm. it and then the the work happened without them having to repeatedly say it like it was there it was cataloged and 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 compiled with with all these other stories and um it's it's sort of it's it's great it's great that so many people were able to share their stories yeah and have them count towards something without having to go through some of the processes that that can be really awful when you're trying to deal with it at your institution while you're trying yeah. to, to practice and, and learn and and um just just get through the day-to-day -day. yeah now did you i mean did craft equity deal directly with wheaton in this example or i mean like did you reach out and share the stories anonymously with them directly they were tagged in the stories and definitely okay. saw um, a lot of, they, they saw all the posts and the accounts and, you know, we don't know what happened um, in their conversations, but we do know that, um, you know, what, that, that we did play a part in whatever process mm -hmm. happened there that was able to lead to uh, the departing of mm -hmm. this person. Okay. Um, I guess that would be kind of then my follow-up question. Is there ever an instance that you can, re like, I know you're, you're saying you're tagging them, but do you do anything further of reaching out and saying this was reported at all? Let's see. Um, no, they are tagged and then not that I can recall i've been on the team for a shorter time okay. than some i wasn't one of the founding members so mm -hmm. um i i can't say for sure but really what in in my experience so far it's been institutions are tagged mm -hmm. um and sometimes they're not institutions sometimes they're like businesses or, yep. or yep. other places but um you know they'll they see it and sometimes sometimes they do interact in the comments sometimes they say nothing but that's mm -hmm. that's pretty much the core of the interaction is still happening just on the instagram feed okay um is it do you share every story that's submitted for the most part unless okay. it comes through and is some sort of um clearly like a a, a joke or sometimes um, like yeah. it'll it'll be like um people are harassing us by just submitting <laughs> some like nonsense yes yeah. <laughs> but um but but yeah the stories the stories we don't vet them we don't change them we we just get we just take them in and format them into our graphic and and put them up we don't alter anything or or anything like that okay that was gonna be kind of like my next question is um i know you all remain anonymous partially so that the focus can be on the stories of um you know survivors and the people who have um, gone through these things um, but also to protect yourselves so you're not getting any individual um blowback from this do you receive a lot of like to craft equity directly? Do you receive a lot of blowback? 
Um, some sometimes, you know, and it depends on how you frame blowback. Like sometimes people give critical feedback that is is helpful. Like, um, and and sometimes people will like troll troll us. Like we've been tagged in in um some like just really abusive comments there was one that we had to like um you know block block someone a a few weeks ago because they just like were um leaving on their own account posting really hateful and 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 homophobic misogynist Mm -hmm. uh things about other commenters and and sort of like making a big joke like hey look at these people and using slurs and whatever and so there's stuff like that that's happened and but then there are also people that are more in community that will leave a comment and and say like what is this doing if you're not naming um who it is or Mm -hmm. or or not naming the place and and that's a valid concern and and you know i do think it is still important like sometimes when people leave critical feedback um it's i am more grateful than not for them voicing what they think we should be doing better. Like mm-hmm. people are saying, what's the next step? Where is this doing? Or, or, or one thing someone will say is like, is this just trauma porn? Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. It's, and I do appreciate people like being tired of lazy activism and, and, and wanting to say like, Hey, is this that? And, you know, and, so I'm I'm grateful for people wanting to keep the pressure on us, and um, I do push back on the idea that it's just trauma porn because this is an important archive that doesn't exist anywhere else, and we've seen right. it in action. We've seen this information used to to begin to cause change, and so so when people say things like that, I want to say like yes, thank you, and this is where it's going. Like like I feel where these frustrations come from. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I just hope that the people that participate in our feed can see the the, the bigger picture and, and understand um, that that this is important and necessary work that doesn't exist anywhere else. And um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. So it's kind of a range of feedback that we get from from people. Like sometimes it's a nonsense troll, and sometimes <laughs> it's like a, a craft activist that wants to. Uh, you know, keep the pressure on us to Mm -hmm. to do the best we can. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, I, I appreciate what you're saying about like the, the critique that can help continue to push you, um, the Institute in the right direction. Um, you know, I think, I think that's actually needed on all of us on a personal level too, for those of us who share um, and try to be individual activists on social media, um, getting any kind of like response of like maybe as well-intentioned as we were, that wasn't done correctly um, or you know, pushing to be like, like you said, not just like another kind of like lazy activist account, (laughs) um, but trying to enact real change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like you're saying, you know, a lot of people want to um, want to do want to do the right thing and and often don't know when they're out of line. And and so even beyond institutions and businesses like seeing what happens in their spaces through our feed also it's a good it's a good space for peers you know you're you were talking about grad school and critique earlier and some Mm -hmm. peers will say really inappropriate things and or harmful things in a space like a critique and Mm -hmm. it goes totally unchecked and and for a whole set of different reasons where it can be Yes, it, it can be hard to to tell the institution that's like that when you're in their space what they're doing to harm you and it can be for a whole set of different reasons and similar reasons it can be really hard to tell a peer you're <laughs> harming me and and so especially when 
those those peers are sometimes coming from a, a good place or doing their best and they can maybe get defensive and it can turn mm -hmm. into something that is like too much a labor to, to yeah. say, like teaching this person. So I do hope that people that are are trying to be better in in critique and in their craft communities and to be better and more productive peers, um, hopefully there's something they can learn from this account too when they're following along. Maybe they'll even say, see a comment, like see a story someone shared and Mm -hmm. like, oh, that sounds like something maybe I've I've said and never realized right. um, how harmful that is. And so so hopefully it also beyond like changing institutions is also changing some of the participants and and peer to peer relationships and interactions that mm -hmm. sometimes go un unchecked. Correct. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, just as somebody who's also queer, like I can understand the burden also and I think give some grace to people to be like sometimes you're just too damn tired <laughs> to um, give that correction that should be given um, and so again that's I think good why um, an account like yours exists because they can share their story without directly um, calling out a person or institution and without naming themselves. And so they can kind of put it out there. And then for those who want to learn and get better, it gives a resource of going through and saying, oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't have to have somebody tell me to my face, but I see exactly in this story what I have done in the past and I need to change that. Right, right. Like there's some of the um, recent textiles ones that we talked about earlier. Um, there's one that talks about like the self victimization that happens mm -hmm. in fibers and textiles um, from from white cis femme people. And often when when some of the ones that happened during that week point to this issue of when people are called out for something they're doing that is racist mm -hmm. they sort of rather than addressing that will say how much they've fought for yeah. how they're a feminist and they fought for equality and it's like okay yes but that's not <laughs> they're 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 different yes. issues and it's not you can't use one to dodge the other and so yes. i can see it i'm i can imagine a number of people really reading a story like that and using it for some real self-reflection Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's actually one of the when we were talking about textiles, that's exactly one of the stories I was thinking about, um, though, I kind of thought about it in a different way, too, of like, um, you know, this idea of historically, um, like trans women not being allowed into feminist spaces, um, and especially trans women of color not being allowed in feminist spaces. Um, that's kind of where my mind went to with that specific story. Um, and just thinking about redefining maybe for myself what I would want to say feminism is to me, and that is always um, fighting for kind of those who end up at the bottom of the hierarchy chain, um, not those that look like me. Um, because obviously if I'm in a position to fight, then I've already been given that privilege. So it was just a moment to sit and reflect on just even the definition of feminist and how, to your point, it's not being, it was being used to say like, well, I did these things, therefore I'm not bad. Yeah, and there's there's so much conflation with uh, sex and gender, uh, even even still. And when that falls into feminist spaces, there's an insensitivity that does become very exclusive and and transphobic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so um, we're actually, we are actually at the end of our time together. Um, made it almost all the way through without any interruptions. Um, I just wanted to say thank you for, um, you know, working with me on this to get you, uh, to get craft equity on the podcast. Cause I really, 
really believe in the work that you all are doing. Thank you. Um, we appreciate the support so much and we're excited to hear from you and have listened to a number of past episodes and heard great stories from some really inspiring people. Um, so thank you so much for, for having us on, on the podcast. And, um, you know, I mentioned earlier, but I hope some of the listeners who maybe haven't seen our feed will go through and read some of the stories and, and maybe feel inspired to, to share one of their own. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, can you just one more time, let everybody know, like, how to find you on Instagram, and then what the website is? Yes, we are at Craft Equity on Instagram. Our website is craftequity.org. And when you go to our Instagram, um, you can click on the link in our bio and there is a, a, a quick link there to our submission form, um, mm -hmm. which is an easy Google form. You can be totally anonymous um, or, or give, your, give your name, which will be kept private to us if you want us to, to reach out directly. Um, you can tag the institution or not tag the institution. You can write your own story and, um, and you know, we, we try not to let things pile up too, too much. They come in quick and we try and get them out on our feet, mm -hmm. uh, shortly there, thereafter. Um, and, uh, other, other links in our bio include like, a, a link to our resources and frequently asked questions and, you can see a link to another podcast we were on. We'll add this. We'll add the link to this podcast in the, in there too. Um, but I hope everyone has the chance to look through some of the resources that we've put on our website and and to read some of the stories that we've been able to share. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'll include all of those links um, in the description for the episode, also, so it'll make it easier for people uh, while they're listening to click over as well. All right. So again, that was Craft Equity. And you can find them on Instagram at Craft Equity. The link's right there in their bio to the website. If you would like to submit your own story uh, to get shared, please go take a look at that as well as on their website. They offer multiple resources to help people out too. So go check that out for sure. And I will include the links for all of that in the show notes for today's episode. So to find those show notes um, and find those links, first check out the description of the episode on your podcast app. And then you can also head on over to freemanfurnishings.com forward slash podcast and find this episode as well as all the previous episodes. So go check that out. All right. A reminder that the um, schedule is, has uh, changed up slightly. So this week we had our Wednesday and Friday episode, which means next week we will just have a Friday episode, but it will be another brand new episode uh, coming to you. So just a reminder, we're now doing three episodes every two weeks instead of four. Okay, be sure to follow along with the podcast on Instagram at Crafting a Revolution. And you can come over and say hi to either one of your guests as well while you're over on Instagram. You can find me, uh, Katie Freeman, at Freeman Furnishings, where I design and uh, make furniture and home decor all the while while uh, dancing in the shop. And you can find Katie Thompson under at Women of woodworking and that uh, amazing project that she's doing there. So either one of us come say hi or say hi to both uh, while you're at it. All right. So brand new episode next Friday. In the meantime, as always, let's go craft a revolution. She crafted.